Hi everyone, I'm Kyle Bechet, and this is the AAF Exchange, a podcast from the American Action Forum, where experts provide clear, data-driven insights into today's economic and domestic policy issues. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in. On this episode of the AAF Exchange, we'll be discussing the economic impact of the coronavirus and the government's response. Today, we are joined remotely by AAF's President, Douglas Holtzagen. Doug, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. So you've been a busy guy the past couple of days with all the media uh, analysis and insights you're producing through all this. Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, drinking from a fire hose, quite frankly. We've been been scrambling quite a bit, and I wish it was for a different reason, quite frankly. Yeah. It's, it's a little overwhelming some days. Yep, yep. How are you holding up through the shutdown and all the social distancing going on? Uh, well, I haven't really noticed much of a difference, so maybe I've been socially distanced <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, I've been doing the same thing, and you know I'd be probably fine with this as we were talking before if we had some sports on to watch or something, um, rather yeah. than the reruns. Um, I I think you know I have a, I'm a big sports addict, and I have a, a a big gap to fill there, and unfortunately I think I'm filling it with uh, all the anxiety I have about what's going on out there. So it, it's it's not my favorite period in life. Sure. All right. So let's talk about you know the um, economic impact and response of everything that's going on with coronavirus. Um, I think it goes without saying this, you know, this pandemic has had an unimaginable impact on the U.S. and indeed the global economy. Um, talk us through the economic impact of the coronavirus pandemic. This is an enormous uh, economic downturn. Um, this is bigger than the financial crisis, which was the biggest thing since the, the Great Depression. So it's really not to be underestimated. And it, it, it comes from a very simple source. I mean, the, when the virus showed up, uh, Companies lost their business, right? So airlines, no, no passengers, restaurants, no one's coming in, hotels, no one's staying there. And, you know, if, if no one's coming to the restaurant, the restaurant stops paying the bakery and the bakery has its problems, got to lay its workers off. And so we've had this cascading through the economy of revenue drying up almost instantly and then it getting passed on to, to other firms. And so it's a severe downturn and it's mm-hmm. exacerbated by the necessary public health stuff. So you, you lock down businesses, you lock down uh, people, you, you you create that problem uh, even in even bigger scale. So it's an enormous hit. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people are thinking, you can't pay me to get on an airplane right now. You couldn't pay me to go into a restaurant right now. Um, so that's definitely, you know, as you mentioned, having an impact. What has the government done so far to respond to the current crisis? Uh, there's been an enormous amount of activity. Uh, so. So if you if you think about um, what businesses are doing, they, they get this problem, which is, oh, my God, we're not getting any uh, customers. We don't have any cash coming in. So they immediately start looking for cash uh, to maintain their operations to the extent they can and to stay in business. So everybody sold whatever they could lay their hands on to try to raise cash. And that massive sell-off roiled financial markets. We've, we've seen that uh, going on. Uh, it's a symptom, not a cause of the problem. It's a symptom. And the Fed has stepped in and is basically saying, if you want cash, we'll give you cash. Give us what you've got. And they are buying commercial paper. They are buying treasury bills. They're going to set up and buy loans from small businesses. They are, are just injecting cash everywhere in financial markets to s- sort of satisfy that deep need that's produced by um, that the, the cash flow crisis out there in the Main Street economy. So that's a tremendous amount of uh, of help, and they've done a great job, I think. They, mm-hmm. But they can't by themselves fix the problem. They're just, you know, at the seeing the the fallout from it. What 
Congress has done now is pass a, a, a very targeted uh, public health bill, about $8 billion to sort of get that um, uh, effort underway. It then uh, followed up with a, another bill called the Families First, which um, created the paid leave program for for workers in small firms for the, the first time, uh, did some things to the unemployment insurance system to to equip people for the fact that there are going to be a lot of people on uh, UI. And indeed, today we saw new claims for unemployment insurance uh, go up by 3.1 million in a week. The wow. previous biggest increase was about 680,000. So this is five times bigger than the financial crisis uh, uh, in that respect. And so, you know, needed to do that and uh, that was done. But as as everyone knows, the, the big work has been this enormous um, uh, quote stimulus bill called the CARES Act, and it cleared the Senate um, uh, uh, 96 to zero at near midnight on uh, Wednesday night, and the House is expected to vote on it Friday, and then it would go to the to the president for a signature. That contains four elements that 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 are important. Um, element one is more money for the health effort. Uh, money for hospitals, money for um, uh, supplies, and uh, all the things you've heard so much about in the news. The second is the the, the highly touted checks to individuals, uh, $1,200 per person, $500 for kids. If your income's below $150 for couples and $75,000 for individuals, um, that will probably take six to eight weeks to get out. That's a, a complicated process, as it turns out. And then there are two big loan programs, essentially, um, uh, $500 billion for big businesses, uh, 50 billion of that earmarked for uh, the airlines and, and another 25 earmarked for uh, cargo uh, um, transport and defense related industries. Um, and then 425 for anybody. Mm-hmm. And that will turn into a way to get that cash back into the business. So when we started talking about this, think about the airlines, the cash went away. Now you put the cash back in and the condition for the cash is you can't lay people off. So now you're solving two very big problems. One, you're preserving the business and thus the infrastructure of the economy to get through the pandemic. And two, you're providing a steady paycheck to people so that they don't have deep financial needs during the, the pandemic. And, and that's the fastest way to get that kind of help to people is to do it through the business they work for. You know the politics of this. So the people don't want to help big businesses, but that this really is the best for the people in the economy. And there's a mirror program uh, for small businesses under 500 employees. Um, uh, it has the added feature that if you take the loan up to $10 million and you spend it only on employees and rent and mortgages and, and utilities and you don't lay anyone off, you preserve your payroll, at the end of the loan period, eight weeks, um, the loan will be forgiven. So this is essentially going to be just a grant into the small business community of, of, of $350 billion, and that's an enormous amount of help. Wow. The question is how fast can we shovel this money out? Right, right. Is all of this in the in the short term at least creating a little bit more confidence in the marketplace? Uh, one would hope that you know you, you see the Congress move with by historic standards incredible speed and an, an unimaginable magnitude. This is ten percent of GDP yeah. in one bill. It, it, it's a, a remarkable thing. Mm, I can't remember who said it, but I was you know watching the vote last night. Um, in the Senate, and somebody was making the point that you know this is months of legislative work packed into a couple of days. So it was kind of quick. It was kind of interesting to see the Senate move that quickly on something. And in the process, it's predictable there are going to be some things in there that are um, not quite right. I mean, you know, whether it's literally technical drafting errors or an oversight of one type or another, 
Uh, that's going to happen. And the other thing that that um, is inevitable, if you move that fast, you have to delegate a lot of the authority. So they've given, uh, you know, $100 billion to HHS and Secretary Azar has essentially complete discretion on how to get that to hospitals. And, and you know, if he does what people like, it's all good. But you can imagine the politics of this a year from now when someone's upset about how it was done. Right, right. And I'm sure there's at least some kind of transparency in all this so that there's, you know, I think there's like an inspe- inspector general or something at least monitoring all this. Yeah, the, the the big $425 billion program in the first draft, that was just uh, Secretary of the Treasury, here you go, take $425 billion, do good with it. And uh, the Democrats thought we should have a little more structure over that. So there's an inspector general, there's a congressional oversight board, and you know, you know a way to sort of keep track of the, the money. Got it. Um, so put this into context for us. Um, I know I've heard I've personally heard you talk a lot about, you know, your time in the White House during 9-11. Talk to us about how the current crisis and the government response to that crisis um, compared to what happened. So I think this is a lot like 9-11. As with 9-11, um, the American public's safety has been threatened. Uh, it's not terrorism. It's a virus. And the primary mission is to go and um, put, put the, the uh, populace in at a safe place. So you have to go out and do the public health mission. That's the top priority. Take on the virus. Um, but along with the, that threat comes some economic insecurity and the, the need to to deal with that. In 9-11, it was, we had to start inspecting every container that came into the United States. We had to sort of put bollards in front of every headquarters so that you couldn't have truck bombs. And, and the list just went on. So there was an enormous amount of money spent sort of insulating the economy against the, the, the threat of terrorism. We're going to do that now. Like we're, we're spending a lot of money to keep the businesses there so that we have the, economic, the, the infrastructure of the economy at the other end. And this will not go away overnight. And we will have uh, con- continued um, illness, some, some continued small-scale lockdowns uh, you know, for a while. And that's going to make it harder to grow than it was before the virus. And the, in those ways, they're very similar. Mm-hmm. And I've also heard the term you know, bailouts been thrown out a lot during this debate. Um, do you see this as a similar situation as the bank bailouts in 2008? I think it's completely different. Uh, you know, 2008 was a, a man-made crisis. I mean, there were products that were unsafe and there were practices that were unsound and there were management errors and, you know, malfeasance, all sorts of things that you, you um, have heard so much about. That didn't happen here. We had perfectly sound businesses being operated exactly as they should be and suddenly their customers went away and so it's not like we're bailing out bad behavior and thus rewarding people who did things wrong we are insulating them from the consequences of a virus and and that's a very different uh thing in my view and i don't think it should be called a bailout got it um yeah i mean i think the term i've heard thrown out a lot in the media recently is uh no that this crisis is a no fault of their their own crisis so it's not as you mentioned a a man-made crisis by 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 their standard no, this is just a drive-by by a virus. No one saw it coming. Um, so another term I've heard, you know, said a lot recently is the stock buybacks. Um, it's one of the, you know, was one of the big sticking points that uh, I think in the in the phase three debate. Um, how should we think about um, this term stock buybacks and this debate over stock buybacks um, during the current conversation? Well, it's, as as a general matter, you know, not in the midst of a crisis. Um, I am not convinced that stock buybacks are a bad thing. Uh, people think that they are a way for executives to raise their own uh, pay by by pushing up the stock price and, and their compensations in part due to that. 
I don't find either the theoretical arguments on that or the analysis or the evidence very compelling. So I just, you know, this is the shareholders' money, and they and they they gave it back to them. Um, so that that doesn't seem like a big deal to me. However, they they have gotten a lot of attention, negative attention, and what they've done in this case is they have told um, firms who avail themselves of the, these loan programs that they cannot um, buy back their stock for up to a year after the the loans end, and so they they're going to restrict what they can do with them. Personally, I don't even though I don't think buybacks are all that dangerous. I, I don't mind that. Number one. They're not going to buy back stock. They don't have any money, right? They're going to spend it on their employees and running their businesses. Uh, number two, you know, it shouldn't be painless to get hundreds of billions of dollars from the from the taxpayer. Like it, it should come with a few things that you have to think about. And so this doesn't bother me at all. Got it. Okay. Well, no legislation is is perfect, as as we all know. Um, and enormous spending bills rushed through in response to a crisis are certainly extra prone to problems. You already mentioned the issues over, you know, technical issues of drafting a bill this size and pushing it through um, at the pace we put it through. Um, what is your general take on the good and bad in Washington's legislative response to the coronavirus pandemic? I think the good is uh, setting up these very large loan programs. They, they, quite frankly, they might not be large enough. It's hard to believe, but um, I think that's the that's matching uh, the the response to the diagnosis. That's the economic problem, and they've got the right response. Get cash into the businesses, large and small. Keep people on the payrolls. You know, essentially insulate the economy from the the impact of the virus, and just get to the other end. That that that's fantastic. Um, we will see if we can run them effectively, right? You know, drafting them up is one thing, getting the money out the door uh, is another. So that, that remains the challenge. I think the, the sort of um, unhelpful parts are, are the, the sort of notion that you have to pick between helping a big business or helping pe- people. Like, you know, if you work for, you know, a GE, a Boeing, uh, a United, a, pick, up, pick the big business of your choice, an Apple, the demise of that company would be very bad for those people, for Americans. And there are a lot of them in those companies. And so we are helping those Americans by, by keeping the, the companies uh, operating. Um, you mentioned it might not – some of these might not even be enough. Do you think – do you foresee a situation if this continues that Congress is going to have to come back and put more money into those programs? I think it's a real possibility. I mean we, we've got 425 in the big business. We've got 350. So that's uh, $775 billion. That's a lot. But back of the envelope calculations where we'd need about a trillion, maybe a little more, to, to meet the needs of the business sector. So it may be that it's, it's just not quite enough. On a related note, um, what are your thoughts about the Fed's response? Because they've been pretty active throughout this. As I said, they're fantastic. I think they have done uh, exactly what financial markets needed to allow them to continue to trade. And people are trading because the businesses and households need to get their hands on cash. So they're selling stuff. Um, had that broken down, the problem would be even bigger and the, the government responses have to be even bigger. So I think the Fed has been superb and they learned a lot of lessons in 2007 and 2008 uh, and they ran their playbook perfectly. I think I think I heard you mention on one of your interviews this morning that, that uh, you know it's a crisis when you see Jay Powell on the morning shows. Fed chairmen uh, don't go on morning shows. Uh, and when I got up this morning and, and saw Jay Powell, I thought, well, this really is a crisis when you've got yeah. the, the Fed chairman out there reassuring people that the Fed will, will do its job and the economy will be okay, then you're in a crisis. Okay, so looking forward, you know, looking past this current pandemic, how does the economy look after the shutdown? We're all going back to work. What, what what's the state of the economy in? 
Well, I mean, uh, there'll be uh, lots and lots of very, very ugly numbers, right? So we'll see um, first quarter GDP decline. We'll see second quarter GDP decline in double digits and numbers much like the, the, un, the UI claims today that we just haven't ever seen before. But underneath that will be, hopefully, a functioning business sector and, and a functioning and financially um, uh, resilient household sector because we've taken care of them and they will begin to restart their lives. And, and that, that's, I would expect that to be um, a successful thing. So the second half of this year, the economy will continue to grow. It might not make up everything, but, but we'll, we'll see it return to growth. And I just don't expect that to be a, a, a big V-shaped zooming recovery. I think it'll be a steady climb out. And, uh, and not an instant resumption of everything we had before. Okay. Um, and now we've already a little, talked a little bit about, you know, Congress might have to come back and put mo more money into some programs. Um, what additional legislation or action are, do you anticipate? Should we expect, you know, a phase four massive release, relief package? I don't expect one right now, but, um, you know, it, it wouldn't be shocking to me if you, you get to the um, third and fourth quarters that the economy is not growing super rapidly. This happened after 9-11. People became sort of discontented, like, okay, the, the danger is gone and we're not doing what we used to do. We're, we're not growing. And so there was a lot of pressure in that era to do things. And they passed essentially stimulus-style efforts in 2002, 2003, 2005. Um, so I, I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen yet again. Okay. Well, before we go, I think, you know, we should mention our COVID-19 page on AAF's website, um, which includes all of our wonderful insights and analysis from you and the rest of our experts um, related to this pandemic. Would you talk our listeners through the goal of AAF's work during this crisis? Um, I, our mission remains the same. Uh, we, we want people to be educated on the things that are happening. And the, the, the pandemic crisis is the most important economic event right now. It's dominating the news for, for good reasons. It has a lot of dimensions. It has health dimensions. It has social welfare dimensions. There have been a lot of changes to the labor market, how we uh, manage those. It has business dimensions and, and fiscal dimensions. Our experts span all of that, and uh, they will write on the, the things that are happening so that we have some understanding of what's good, what's bad, what's big, what's small, and we will always try to combine the, the facts on the ground, some data about what's happening with uh, the, the research literature that, that sort of gives us an insight into what's better and worse. And, and that's what we'll do every day. Yeah. And, I, and it's certainly having an impact. Something you might not know is um, the last 11 days, we've had more page views than we had for the previous um, two and a half months on our website. So it's certainly people are, are definitely coming to the website and looking, looking at that, that research. And we've been remarkably productive. I mean, um, you know, like uh, many people, we, we have our experts working from home and we're doing things remotely like we're doing this. Um, the productivity has been enormous, right? So um, I may never let people come to the office again. I don't know. It's working pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see about that. Doug, thank you for taking time and talking to us about all this. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Tune back in for our next episode, where our experts will provide clear, data-driven insights into today's economic and domestic issues. I'd also encourage you to check out any of the links in our show notes, and also follow us on social media to learn more about AAF. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play.